Hello again, and welcome to another episode of A Thousand and One by One, where normally each week we take a film out of the book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die, discuss it, analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book, but we're not doing that today. As always, my name is Adam St. John. And my name is Ian Woodington. And, you know, we're going to break format today and next week, actually, uh, Today, though, we are uh, we are going to give you our Oscar thoughts. We are dropping this the Friday before the Academy Awards. Uh, so we are going to run through pretty much all of them to some extent, but really ending with some focus on the Best Picture nominees. Uh, Ian, how has your uh, viewing experience of the Oscar-nominated films been uh, for you this year? Well, though still being in my current jobless situation, I've had a, a little bit more time than usual to catch up on the Academy Award nominees, so I've seen quite a few more uh, than I usually do in most other years, and I've gone out of my way to try and uh, see a few more that maybe I wouldn't have taken the time to see, uh, especially in the like the documentary and the foreign film category. I've seen a few more of those than I usually get to, and it's nice that we're in a streaming age where there's a little bit easier access to some of that stuff. For sure. I would, uh, I would absolutely agree with you on that. So the Academy Awards, um, let's, where is there, uh, we're going to do some of the below the line stuff first. Where is there a particular category you would like to start off with? Well, I'll just, I'll start with, with visual effects because, you know, at the end of the day, I, I have talked some shit on this show about, uh, some of Christopher Nolan's later works, and uh, and Tenants especially, but you know you? I would I I have <laughs> I I have talked just a little bit of shit, but I I do have to say, uh, my instinct says it's probably going to the Midnight Sky, but I would hate to see Tenant walk away with nothing. So if Tenant wins visual effects, honestly, it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt my feelings. Because I mean, it's a it's a great looking film. That freeway, that backwards freeway chase is. I mean, even if you don't like the rest of the movie, that sequence in itself is pretty spectacular. Yeah, and I think in the way that it, I I think visual effects tend to either go, like we're clearly giving uh, a nod to all of the like very obvious computer graphics that were into it. And then there are other years where it goes the other way where it's like, I can't tell like what the visual effects even were necessarily. Um, a la like a Mad Max Fury Road. Um, and uh, I think, I think uh, my, my gut is that it's going to go to Tenet. I don't think enough of these, I don't think these other films have enough really going for it to, to go any other way. Yeah, I know. I, I heard about the, that Ivan movie, but. I mean, I didn't see that. I have no idea what it's about. It's probably a, there's a lot of CGI I, animals and stuff in that. Yeah, I, I think it's on Disney Plus. Oh, okay. As yeah, far as I, I didn't didn't really interest me. I know. I think Brian Cranston is either in it or does a voice in it. I don't know. Other than that, I have I have no idea really when it comes to the rest. My, my pick is Tenant. Yeah. It, not only is that my pick, it's also the only movie from that this bunch that I've uh, I've seen. I've seen it all. So. Oh, you didn't you didn't do the live action Mulan? Nope. No, not, neither did I. No, no I, interest. I, 
we we told the girls about it and then we watched a trailer and we were like they are not gonna enjoy this at all so we I, just i shouldn't think so we walked right on past that one <laughs> uh well let's stick maybe with another one let's go let's go to sound next sound i've got kind of a i've got kind of a two-way tie on sound two that i really want to see get uh some attention uh i, th- I think it's gonna go to sound of metal and i'd be pretty happy with that but uh Another movie that I, I feel has sort of fallen by the wayside, but I'm still pretty happy to see get some kind of attention, and we'll talk about it a little bit more when we get into the acting categories, but uh, Greyhound is up for sound, and I'd be, I'd be pretty thrilled if that walked away with it, too, because that was, I, I think I remember talking to you about it, I had it as a recommend that that was, that was a movie that really, that, that really hurt me not seeing that in theaters, because that is a movie that demands to be seen on the biggest screen with the biggest possible sound. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, Greyhound and uh, and News of the World, and I'll just say this, are, are the ones I haven't seen from this uh, group of five. Now, I will watch News of the World before the Oscars. I just didn't get to do it this week, as we're also kind of prepping for next week's episode, which is also kind of a, a biggie. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, News of the World got, did get a lot of love. I mean, not in Best Picture or not not in some of the other the big categories, but it picked up a few nominees. So it's like, I, I, you know, it's hard to say exactly what they're gonna what they want to uh, um, award this year. I I see why you would say Sound of Metal. I actually think that doesn't have. I think that is lower on. It. I think the way they use sound is great, but I do think that this is a category that when it when you open it up to the broader range of voters they're going to think of sound as what am I hearing and less how was sound used. I think I, that's just how I think it'll go. My, my gut is that it's going to be news of the world, maybe soul, but I'm going with news of the world. That's, that's probably a smart choice. I, I think I'm, I, I think you're right in, in my mindset is I'm thinking more of sound design. Yes. No, yeah. exactly. And I think the sound design and sound of metal is, uh, is amazing, but I don't know that other people are really going to, who knows how much they're going to think about that right and now now it's it's even it's even more strange because now you've got sound combined it used to be sound editing sound mixing now it's all one category which i don't know i kind of i kind of feel bad because sound is such you can't put it into like one box like that you know what i mean it's too complicated a category to just try and fit it all into one little box well and i was kind of sad to see the editing and mixing get combined it's well it's just funny i think because i think that came because for a while they always end up ended up going to the same film but in the last four or five years that wasn't always the case so i don't know i wonder if that'll be something they flip-flop on again at some point in the in the future but you know it is what it is yeah i certainly hope so all right where to next my friend uh where to next let's just because i know you're not a huge fan of it but song yeah, who gives a I, shit? Do you have any? Do you have any thoughts on song? Um, I, I, I can tell you that without having heard any of these songs, given the political moment that we are in and have been, that I guarantee the winner of this is either going to be "Fight for You" from Judas and the Black Messiah or "Speak Now" from One Night in Miami. And given the fact that Judas got a lot of love with the nominees this year, my gut have knowing all but fucking nothing about these songs is that, uh, it's going to go to Judas and the black Messiah. 
I I think you're I think you're right on that. My my pick would be the other one would be One Night in Miami, but there seems to be a huge push around Husevic from the Eurovision movie right now, and I'd be I'd be pretty happy to see it go to that too because it is a it is a pretty damn good song, and that that whole film is a great love letter to the Eurovision Song Contest. I I just think that. The Academy will get cheeky with the nominees for Best Original Song, but it never tends to want to pull the like or uh, pull the trigger on it, right? I mean, you've got your Blame Canada's, you've got some of your other kind of like funny or more outlandish songs, but they never really get picked. I feel like it's always the not obvious because I feel like this is not an obvious category, and I I do I also got to say we need to nix this category from the Oscars. We just need to do it. I, just um, lump it all into score. Un- unless it's a song that gets played in the movie, not the credits, then sure, let's do that. But like, I just, I, I, I don't know. I just don't. Nobody knows these songs, man. They just don't know well, that's, them. Well, that's that's why Husevik would be a good choice because the whole movie builds to that song being sung at the end of of the Eurovision contest in the movie. You, you, I Really, you didn't see that one either, huh? No, I mean, we'll see if I can fit it in in the next little chunk of time, but I don't know. I would highly recommend it. It was far more enjoyable I, than it deserves to be. Off mic, you were telling me that I, I... You said I would. I just, you know, I've been... I, I really think you and Mel will dig it. There's a lot... There's a lot going on right now, man. There's too many movies. There's, there's too, too many much. Movies. There's too much. Too much content. Too much. Yeah, there really is too much fucking content. Um, let's uh, let's stick musically and let's go on to let's go to original score. Now, I actually I'm gonna read all the nominees. Um, and again, there's one I haven't seen, but our nominees for original score are *The Five Bloods*, *Mank*, *Minari*, *News of the World*, and *Soul*. Um, so first thing right off the bat is. I am very surprised, and this will come up again later, that The Five Bloods is only represented here. Now, I do actually like Terrence Blanchard's score in The Five Bloods. Um, it's solid, man. I like it, too. But, uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, you know, I, I, you know I, I just wonder if Spike Lee really, really, you know, the, 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 the Oscars, they gave him his one, they gave him his, his win, and now they're basically going to go back to being like, fuck you, Spike Lee. I don't know. I, and not that anybody's actively thinking that way, but that's certainly kind of how it feels like from the side. Yeah, especially with that loss, the uh, the the Black Klansman losses, that still stings, man. That's that's fucked up. Um, but I do gotta say, what an amazing like, like t- ten years ago, like let let's go let's 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 drift on back a decade ago, and like when we like um, you know before the social network comes out, and and we're hearing that Trent Reznor. And Atticus Ross are doing the score for it. And, like, I don't think I was, like, like that's going to be bad. But my mind went to, like, really? And then, obviously, like, the Social Network score is, like, one of the best scores of this fucking century. I mean, it's, it's fucking bananas how good that score is. But, like, the force with which they have really shaped scoring in films. And, I, I, you know, personally, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and Gone Girl are similar. And they're, they're good for the movies that they're in, but they're not – they don't really – push the bounds but in this one year for them to do the scores for bank and soul it's it's fucking incredible and i honestly don't know which of those two are going to win i i think it's going to be one of them but i really i don't know which one i'm i'm worried that it's going to split the vote and go to somebody that it maybe shouldn't i don't know 
I don't know because I, they're both they're both so unique. They both fit the movies perfectly. They're and they sound like nothing else that Trent and 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 Atticus Ross have ever done before. They're both so flat out good. I mean, I think I think the score for Soul is is almost a little better than that movie deserves. No, that's fair. And this is actually this is one of a few categories that have a uh, and I, and I'll explain this as we kind of go along, but they kind of have this splitting the vote vibe. And I my hunch is that it's going to go to Mank. But I do think that if it is a vote splitting scenario, that actually the five bloods might sneak through and, and Terrence Blanchard might get his first win for after having worked with Spike for so many years, this might be a moment for him to shine. And honestly, if that happens, it it wouldn't piss me off. No, I'd, not at I'd all. be okay with that. But I do think yeah, I don't know, man. I'm I'm torn. It's either for me, it's either Trent Reznor or Trent Reznor. But yeah. I think I I lean I lean Mank. I think I prefer Mank of the two of them. Well, there you have it. There, you have it. Okay. Um, where do you want to go, my friend? Well, I I can knock out two. I can I can kill two birds with one stone. I think makeup and costume should both go to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yeah, I mean, I think really. Uh, so and there's there's some crossover. So let's so um actually uh so Emma and Mank and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and Pinocchio are all nominated for both. And then the other one is uh, uh Mulan is up for costume design and Hillbilly Elegy is up for uh makeup and hairstyling. Um I hear you and I I I couldn't agree more. Um now for costume design, I, I, I 100% think it's going to go to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I, I think that Emma has that, that flavor of traditionally, I think, what we think of like the young Victoria or the Duchess or something like that, right? A traditional old Elizabethan kind of style of, of thinking about it. But um, I do think that where the Academy failed to recognize Ma, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom in the above-the-line categories. I do think there's a lot of love for it with the technical stuff. And um, I think I think it pretty much has costume design in the bag. Makeup and hairstyling, I don't know. I've, got a, I've just got a really... I've got a bad feeling that for some reason they're going to look at what they did to Glenn Close and Hillbilly Elegy and be like, give it to that. I, oh, man, I hope not. I don't I, even know. I don't even know why Hillbilly Elegy is is in the conversation. We'll we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to supporting actress, obviously. Yeah. But how how and why are we even still talking about that fucking movie? I don't know. It's a stain on a really great career that Ron Howard has. You know, I I applaud him. You know, trying. But like I, but also like he also didn't make the film that the book was. I mean, I in even just the littlest amount of of extra research, like the main character is not really the character that we're seeing in the in the movie, right? And and I think by removing that from 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 what could have been in the movie, it, that I mean, it feels it feels too nostalgic and and sweet anyway. But like by removing the inner core of who that guy is, it just it's like I almost would rather see him be 
the the Republican guy that he is. But why not make him a Trump supporter? Like, what? Like, just make it obvious. I don't understand. I, I didn't understand. Yeah, I didn't understand the whole fucking movie. I just don't yeah, get it. It's it's honestly forgettable and dull. And I mean, you've got two not so bad performances in it. But I mean, it's nothing that we haven't seen Glenn Close or Amy Adams do before and do so much better. I I'm gonna disagree with you. I think Amy Adams is is the worst she's ever been in this in it. Ooh, I don't know, man. American Hustle is American Hustle is is calling my name on I, on the worst she's ever been. I still I actually I I I I think everybody is trying their I think the thing holding American Hustle back is that it's that that's a movie that also doesn't quite know what it wants to be. I think everybody in it is doing the best with what they got, to be honest, right? But Are, haven't we had this conversation before? Isn't Bradley Cooper making a totally different movie than everybody else? Oh, dude, I that, that, <laughs> I've only seen the movie once. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, there's for me. There's no reason to revisit that. Yeah, uh, but I think I. But I think I'm. I think I'm on the same page as you. I think I'd love to see Ma Rainey sweep both of those. That would be great. I'd be really over the moon about that. Uh, well, let's stick with some of the other design stuff and let's go to production design, which. Um, so let me, I'm going to read out the nominees for this one as well, if you, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, dude, do it. So our nominees for Best Production Design are The Father, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, News of the World, and Tenet. Now, I have not seen News of the World. I've seen trailers. I don't think that'll win. Um, I have seen Tenet, and even though I enjoy Tenet, I don't think that stands a chance. So really, we're down to these other three. We're down to The Father, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and Mank. Now, I love the way that Ma Rainey's Black Bottom feels. I love that it feels kind of like a set. I love that it's it. It's not just adapting a play, but it also feels very theatrical. But I think in that way, you can almost you can almost see the seams a bit too much. The Father is interesting because the Father's production design actually really plays into the plot of the movie, which we can, we could talk about later when we maybe get to the best picture, you know, chat. Um, I think this is going to make for period piece reasons and uh, for like the specificity of the time, but the father is a really interesting, like, I don't think it'll win, but that's a, that's a nice, like, that's a nice tricky nominee. How do, how do you feel about these? Oh, I'm, Again, we're we're hundred percent on the same page there. Like Mank is I think Mank is the clear, obvious and I I think to some degree the right choice, but I yeah. think the father also has man, it's got so much going for you. Like you said, like you said, the, the, the production design is a part of the plot. That's the best way to say it. Yeah. And for it's sure. deliberately supposed to give you that feeling of disorientation. It really puts you inside Anthony Hopkins' mind. I mean, I think I think that is, I think that's the bold choice. If the father wins, if the father wins, they get it right. But if Mank wins, they've also kind of gotten it right too. I'm, I'm in a dead heat. I, I can't choose between those two and I'd well, be happy with either of them. And it's, you know, it's one of those things. Cause I, I know you don't take this nearly, <laughs> nearly as seriously as I do, but like, you know, I tend to start, I, I, I start, you know, tallying who's won as, as the night goes through. And like, if Mank wins production design early on in the night, I don't think it means anything other than that was a period piece film set in the late 30s, early 40s that really kind of nailed old school Hollywood, right? But if The Father wins, 
like watch out for like I don't know for screenplay not I don't think picture but like just just like that you know those early those early below the line award wins can mean look what's going to happen later so yeah absolutely um so let's go to our um let's do the trifecta of uh uh features that aren't best picture uh let's see let's go with i'm gonna pick the one where i've seen the least so let's go to best international feature film now uh the nominees here are another round better days collective the man who sold his skin and qua vadas aida i've only seen another round in collective well, let me. I, I so I've I've seen those two, and I've also seen Quo Vadis Ada, and that is, dude, that is some heavy shit. I did Quo Vadis Ada and Collective on a double feature one day, and I just I just have to go outside for a while. I just have to sit <laughs> and be and deal with that shit. Quo Vadis Ada, if you don't really know the plot, it's about a uh, a UN interpreter. It's Bosnia, nineteen ninety five. Uh, the Serbian army is rolling in. And pretty much just doing whatever the hell they want. And she is doing the very best that she can to service the UN, to help with negotiations, uh, and then protect her her husband and two grown-up sons. She's got a son that's uh, like 19, 20, another son that's 17, and they both want the hell out. You know, everybody, everybody kind of knows what's coming. They know the Serbians aren't going to stick to their word. But she's doing this incredibly tough balancing act. It's it's heavy, heavy shit, man. Uh, I mean, it, it, it sounds intense. Um, it, and, it's it's very intense. And uh, and that that <clears throat> excuse me, that is on Hulu, right? That is on Hulu as, as is, uh, collective. Yes, which I watched uh, the other night, and yeah, that's also and that's also up uh, for best documentary feature. Um, and it's all about uh, uh, the this uh, fire that got set to a club. Uh, this was in Romania or Bulgaria. Uh, Romania. Romania. That's right. And um, there were basically no. Egg- and you feel like it's going to be a story about why why couldn't all these people get out? Why were there burns? But it becomes so much more about the essentially the healthcare industry in there and how corrupt it is. And it's it's pretty intense. The the shit that you know and and you know just the this the the pure um oh what's the word i'm looking for just corruption behind the scenes of of everything going on there uh yeah sad it, it just and it just kind of ends too just like that that was a chunk of time in our history like there you have it um again I, really heavy shit it plays out like spotlight or all the President's Men, if you're a fan yeah. of like slow burn investigative journalism type yep. of stories, this is absolutely for you. And yeah. it's it's just honestly, it's just as good as either of those. Yeah. But I do think I think I think with Thomas Vinterberg getting a nomination for Best Director, I think that this is I think this is kind of a no brainer. I think this is another round in the bag. Well, it's probably the one that's also been the most widely seen. It's the one that had the biggest ad campaign that I could see at least. And you know, I loved, I loved another round. I loved how jovial that film was. I just, I love the concepts. Mads Mikkelsen is the best he's ever been. Yeah, he's he is quite great in that. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's kind of an, I think another round. Um, yeah, no brainer because, because honestly, Collective should it should win best documentary. Uh, to well, me, there's there's no other real competition. 
Well, let's go over to best documentary. So the, the nominees there are Collective, Crip Camp, The Mole Agent, My Octopus Teacher, and Time. Uh, now, uh, I know we've both seen Collective. I didn't think we've both seen Time. Uh, have you seen any of the others? Uh, I haven't seen... Uh, it's Crip Camp, My Octopus Teacher. What's the, the third one? Agent. Remind me of the other one. The Mole Agent. I, okay, so, so I've only seen the two then. The Mole Agent... The Mole Agent... I, I looked it up, I was about to watch it, and then as I'm reading about it, I'm finding out that, oh no, this isn't this isn't 100% true. A lot of this stuff is staged, they hired the lead that's in it, and I'm like, well, okay, so it's not really a documentary then. Uh, so that should be, in my mind, disqualified, I don't even know why it's up. If the filmmakers themselves have come out and said a lot of this was staged, then why is this up? Yeah. Um, so I have seen, uh, I have seen my octopus teacher, um... It's a very pretty film, like the way it's shot. It's very gorgeous, um, but I don't think it's as, as uh, impactful as, um, I don't know, film, Twitter, or Instagram have made it out to seem. Um, it's fine. It's a fine movie. I actually think this is going to Crip Camp, and I haven't seen it, but this is the about the American Disabilities Act. Uh, I think the Obamas are behind it in terms of who produced it. They're, I think it's their company. Um, I, I mean, personally, I'd love to see Collective win, but I think... My hunch is Crip Camp. Yeah. yeah. Well, knowing all of that, I mean, that makes sense. And maybe I'll try and get to it uh, before the, the awards next week. But I don't know, man. It just, it wasn't, the, the others just weren't calling my name. And then Time, I, I texted you about after I watched it. And Time is is a really interesting, very important story. But it's just not structured very well as a documentary. There's a lot of missing information. It's very one-sided. Uh, it felt more like, honestly, it felt more like an art piece than a documentary. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that one. It, it of And this has been such a great year for uh, films. I mean, I mean uh, for, about people of color, but really just like the black film industry is so well represented this year, I think. And, and, and so many of the movies were like beyond astounding that like, yeah, in a way time just kind of fell short to me and it's not bad. It just, yeah, it's not exactly what I, I guess even what I thought it was going to be. I don't know, but. And again, I'm not disparaging the story. I'm not yeah. disparaging the people involved. I just think the, the end product. I agree. I agree. Um, so let's go to animated feature where I've seen, I've seen four of the five. I'm actually like, wow, there we go. Uh, oh, you're doing better than me. I've only seen, I've just seen the two Pixar ones. So I really have, wanted to get to, to Wolfwalkers, though. So we have Onward, Over the Moon, uh, Shaun the Sheep movie, Farmageddon, Soul, and Wolfwalkers. Wolfwalkers is the one I haven't seen, I think because that's an Apple TV Plus thing, and I don't really want to spend the money to rent it. Uh, that's exactly why. Uh, but so yeah, Onward and Soul, uh, which in, in one way or another we've mentioned on our, our ranking of the Pixar movies. Um over the Moon is a household favorite. Um, the girls really like it. I've probably seen it in its entirety at least four times and have heard it way more than that. Um, but it's also that's a, that's a that's oh god I don't I think it's Japanese. It's it's got it's an uh, there's an Asian culture side to it. Um, and it's a it's a fun movie too. It's very visually stunning and very fun and there's lots of songs. Um, I don't even know how we got stumbled on Farmageddon, which is also on Netflix. The Stella picked it one day and we watched it. And it's if you like that style, if you like the Shaun the Sheep stuff or like the Wallace and Gromit or Chicken Chicken Run, like it's it's fun. It's it's that kind of weird dry humor, but it's it's got a, a 
an alien spin on it. It's just a ridiculous movie. I think, th again, this is a no-brainer. If there are like three or four very obvious, I think Soul, Soul had this back in December. Yeah, uh, 100%. <laughs> Though, how, how much would it piss you off if Onward won? It, I, I don't know. Piss me off is not the right word because I enjoyed Onward. I just would be, I would be very shocked. I would be very, yeah. very surprised. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's soul. Like you said, no brainer. Yeah. Um, so I think that leaves us with my, my two favorite below the line categories. Do you want to go with cinematography or editing first? Let, let's do, let's do editing. Cause I think cinematography is more interesting this year. Okay. So our nominees for editing are the father, Nomadland, promising young woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. Now, traditionally, uh, back in the days when it was five Best Picture nominees, a Best Editing nom was almost like a Best Director nom. Like, if you were up for Best Picture, you could almost count on having that. So, these five films also all being up for Best Picture does not surprise me at all. Um, what, what is your, what's your gut reaction to this? Oh man, my this this is a this is one that I went I went rounds over this one. Uh, I mean, my gut kind of says Nomadland. Really? Yeah, yeah. With all the hype around picture, I figure maybe it'll get lumped in with that too. But I mean, my pick, my I think the father should take it. That's the one that I think deserves it. That's interesting because I I actually think. I think two other films are vying for it. I, I think Nomadland does not stand a chance. I think that that movie is so much about the 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 moving image and the the languishing of the shots. I, I it it feels so much like uh it feels so poetic that I feel like the editing the editing is such a I'm actually to be if I'm being honest I think the I think the Nomadland nomination here is almost like. It's probably going to win Best Picture, so let's just we'll give it to. But I, it doesn't feel right. I actually think this is either going to Sound of Metal or Promising Young Woman. Interesting. I think Sound of Metal, when you incorporate the the way it cuts between shots, the way it incorporate, and and I think sound editing comes into this a little bit too. Like overall film editing, the way that that story is put together, I think it's I think Promising Young Woman has some flashy editing which sometimes they go with. Um, but I think Sound of Metal is going to pull out like the, uh, the whiplash win when it came out. I think, I think, and historically this, this can be the case sometimes where they like to give film editing to a, a movie about music because of the way that they just incorporate, like the way that those shots go through. So my, my gut is Sound of Metal, although I totally understand where you're coming from with uh, The Father. Well, and Sound of Metal would be, that would be great. Again, I, I would love to see Sound of Metal take absolutely everything that it's nominated for. <laughs> but I don't know, man. The Father the father is the one, because of the way that it plays with, like we said, production design, the way that it plays with the way getting inside of Anthony Hopkins' mind and you know losing, losing his memory, losing his sense of the world around him. I think, uh, I think they did just a bang-up job with the editing there. I think it's, I think that's the one that really deserves it. Well, there we go. Split, we got a split vote there, but, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see how it goes on to best cinematography. Uh, we have Judas and the black Messiah, Mank, news of the world, Nomadland, 
and for some inane reason, the trial of the Chicago 7. That is just absolutely batshit crazy to me. Like, <laughs> why, why are we even talking about trial of the Chicago 7? Let's take that out and let's put Sound of Metal in there as the fifth nominee because that is a genuinely great looking film. I mean, uh, I... I feel like there are there are so many other films you could have gone with on the and I and I don't know, man. I, I, or hell, let's give another round another nomination because sure. that's, that's a great looking film too. Yeah, I mean, I just yeah, I don't yeah. Anyways, let's. So we I think we're both in agreement that Trial of the Chicago Seven should not win this. Yeah. Um, and I haven't seen News of the World, but again, I feel like a this one really beautiful looking film. I can't wait world. to yeah, I can't wait to talk to you about it. But I feel like this one, again, I feel like this one's pretty much set as well. Uh, Nomadland? Yeah. 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 Again, I'm gorgeous. I mean, really, really well done. I mean, Mank would be my my uh, my second choice, but yeah. I'm, yeah, Nomadland is, it's the obvious choice. It's the obvious and the right choice. Yeah, it's, yeah I think that, <laughs> that's how I feel as well. I wish there was more to say about cinematography, but there, other than pulling Trial of Chicago 7 out, there's, there's really not much more. I mean, they're all, those four are really deserving, but Nomadland is just a class above. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, cool. All right, so let's move up. We're going to move uh, to the quote-unquote above-the-line nominees. We're going to go to the screenplays. Would you like to be original or adaptive first? Let's let's do adapted first because I know I know how you love original so much more. <laughs> I really do. I really do. Okay, so our nominees for best adapted screenplay are Borat subsequent movie film, The Father, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, and The White Tiger. Uh, off mic, we were talking. We both have not seen The White Tiger. Part of me thinks <laughs> that they just they just put this in there because uh, what whatever her name the one that's married to the Jonas brother is in this movie and it was her and him announcing the nominees. I have no idea. I haven't seen this movie. So I I really am just going to not say anything about it. This is, it's one nomination. It's not going to win. Um, so my my first thing I want to say is I, I just love seeing that two of these movies were based off of plays and, and, and honestly in a real world, that white tiger nomination should be out and it should be Ma Rainey's black bottom. And that should, it should be three but it's not there you go. and hundred uh, percent. We'll just, we'll just leave it there. Um, so I, I feel like I know what you would pick, like what, what's your favorite, but where, where are you leaning? As, as far as what I think is going to win. Yeah. But yeah, either way. Um, I, I think, I think my, my, the one that I want to win. And I think the one that will win are one and the same. I think one night in Miami is going to take it. I, I, you know, I feel like it's, I actually feel like this is one that Nomadland is, is, is also not going to win. And I think it's how, it's how much more the visual storytelling takes kind of front and center that and Francis McDormand's performance. Um, so I don't think Nomadland's going to win this. I do think this is pretty much between the father and one night in Miami. I think you could go either way, but from what I've, you know, other things that I've listened to and other things that I've read, it seemed like they really they really stuck true to the one night in Miami play. And, um, and I, I would love to see that. I think that'd be a, that'd be a, a great win. I mean, the father is not a bad screenplay at all, but I, I, yeah, I'd love to see Kemp powers win for one night in Miami. 
That'd be great. I'd be all over that. And it, honestly, looking at everything else, that might be, other than maybe Song, that might be the only thing it walks away with. Yeah, yeah, totally true. Totally true. Which it, it, should, it shouldn't go home empty-handed, so if it takes adapted screenplay, that's great. That's what I, should win. Part of me thinks this actually is going to be a year where, well, I'll say this. I'm not, I'm not going to say that yet. I will save that for later. Um, So moving on to best original screenplay, which, yes, outside of, your best picture is, uh, you know, it's my favorite category. So our nominees are Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Again, take it out. Stay, give another round another yeah. nomination because that is a great screenplay. What a that truly is an absolutely great script. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so for me, this is really between two films. And I'm, I'm going to guess Judas and the Black Messiah and Promising Young Woman. I actually was going Promising Young Woman and Sound of Metal. Okay. And again, but it's tough because I, like, I take this very literally with original and adapted. And just like with the trial of the Chicago 7, Judas and the Black Messiah is based on real people and real things. And I get that it's not based off of a book necessarily, but like, I don't know. I, I feel like that's a real, uh, like, uh, how do you, how do you distinguish that? Whatever. Um, I, but I think this is, I think this is all the way going promising young woman. I think it, I think it has it wrapped up in a nice, neat little bow. And it absolutely should do. That's, that's my number one pick. So I, I ranked them. So really quick. Yeah. Trial of Chicago seven at the bottom. Again, yep. pull that out and another round goes in. And then another round, like, jumps up towards the top. <laughs> but uh, Minari, then Judas and the Black Messiah, then Sound of Metal, then Promising Young Woman I would is rank, my order of preference. I would rank them the exact same way. Yeah. Exact same way. And then, it, and then if you throw another round in, that would go in, I think, at number two. Well, then that's where we differ. <laughs> yeah. It's so Our, good, man. It is. It is as If anybody listening has not seen it yet, I promise you, it is good... It's just as every bit as good as you've heard it is. See, and I would say don't get your hopes up. Uh, not, it's not bad, but like I, my hopes were built up, and it didn't live up to expectations. That's a shame. But I, okay. hey, I get it. So now, now we're moving on to uh, the acting categories. Uh, we're going to go to uh, Best Supporting Actress first. Our nominees, Maria Bakalova for Borat Subsequent Movie Film. Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy, Olivia Coleman, The Father, Amanda Seyfried, Mank, and Yu Jung Yoo in Minari. I feel like the momentum is behind uh, Yu Jung Yoon at the moment. I it, it, yes, um, I it, it it totally is. This oh man, this category though is is really. It's it's fucking interesting. It's really because and it, it went through a lot of phases because even after Hillbilly Elegy came out and it was like pretty much immediately panned across the board, people were like, "But Glenn Close was good." And I here's what I'll say: I think Glenn Close is actually great in it. I think she's doing the best she can with a fucking really just uh, it's just a terrible script. Um, but but she's been so much better in so many other things. No, I I know I know. But like you can't overstate the like this could easily be her makeup Oscar year. 
So, oh God, I hope not. But oh, just, please but no. I'm just saying that that would be worse than Pacino winning for Sins of a Woman. I'm just saying you can't rule that out. Then there was a period of time where there was a lot of steam behind Maria Bakalova for Borat's subsequent movie film, and I think this is probably going to be one of those. The nomination is the win for her, but I st- I, I really feel like there's still this like crazy energy of like just look at what she did in the film then there was a hot moment where i thought amanda seyfried who i think is probably the best part of mank um was like had a lot of steam the only person who i don't think is gonna win is olivia coleman and not because of the work that she did in the movie but she won so recently and i think there's just so many other different cases for everybody else Ultimately, yes, I agree. I think uh, uh, Yoo Jung Yoon's uh, momentum for Minari is probably going to be what catapults it. But honestly, and for you and all of our listeners, don't like th- you, you probably are going to get this one wrong <laughs> because who the fuck knows? Yeah, it's it's crazy. Actress and supporting actress this year are both banana pants fucking crazy. Um, yeah. So, I mean, and, and to be, I mean, I look at this, I mean, I, I agree. Glenn Close would win for the wrong, I mean, she should have won years ago, but I, I would honestly be, I would be okay with any of these people winning, if I'm being honest. Uh, see, I, I would not. It's, for me, it's, yeah, Glenn Close, I'm not okay with that. She's at the bottom of my list for when I rank these five. In terms of pr- pr- uh, preferred? Yeah. And then it's Olivia Coleman. Amanda Seyfried in the in the middle of the pack, and then Yu Jung Yoon, and then uh, still I gotta go Maria Bakalova, if for no other reason for the amount of shit that she put up with making this movie, if for no other reason the fucking Rudy Giuliani incident, give her the Academy Award just for that fucking scene, because <laughs> uh, fuck that guy. Well, yes, yes. Fuck that guy all the way. I agree. No, but still, I and I'm not just saying it to be shitty like that. I genuinely think she is a revelation in this film. Well, that's what I, I mean. Like I do, like I don't think I honestly, and the, and the way that like all the voting, like honestly, like don't, I think Yu Jung Yoon has the momentum, but I think this is a toss up. I really yeah. think it's a toss up. Yeah. I, I do think Yu Jung Yoon is going to take it, but my, in my heart, I want it to be Maria Bakalova. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, so moving on to best supporting actor, we have Sasha Barra Cohen for The Trial of the Chicago Seven, Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah, Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami, Paul Racy for Sound of Metal, and Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah. Well, this is this is where it gets controversial because Lakeith is not a supporting actor. Lakeith is the fucking lead in that movie. I, I yes, yeah. Now this is now I've I've listened to a lot of shit about this particular category and Daniel Kaluuya has been cleaning up award season. Like the precursors have been his except that he hasn't run against Lakeith Stanfield in any of the precursors. So this, this is where there's, I think there's a lot of, again, Daniel Kaluuya is the front runner. Can we agree on that one? Oh, 100%. Okay. I, in my gut, he's going to take it. Okay. But there is a world where there is some vote splitting between him and Lakeith, who arguably is is just as good. He's just given a different kind of performance, right? I think the amount of, like, people who were so behind Paul Racy getting a nomination, 
like it's not out of the realm of possibility that he wins based and on that's, and that's who i want to win that, i mean that's, i really that, really want it to be paul racy it's my vote too um and but uh, but yes i do think i think this is daniel kaluuya's but again if if you hear paul racy's name announced i think you're gonna see that there were some definite judas and the black messiah vote splitting happening there yeah yeah but hey uh daniel kaluuya is it kaluuya yeah yeah, but him winning—that's that's also not the wrong choice. I think no, he not is at all. excellent in that, and I'd be happy to see that. But Paul Racy was just better. Yeah, I, I think there's only one wrong choice, and that's Lakeith because well, he's not because he's not a supporting actor. No, I that's I see. Why, <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's Sasha Baron Cohen who I think is just doing um, a, a decent impression throughout the movie. I don't think there's any yeah, depth to it. It's interesting enough, I guess, but not award worthy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, look at that. This hasn't been. I think. I think best when we when we get to best picture and we start to rank these things. Maybe things will get a bit controversial. But so far, we're definitely of one mind about most of this, which is nice. Yeah. It's nice. Hopefully, we get contentious at the end here. Yeah, it's, yeah. It'd be nice <laughs> not to just sit here and go, uh huh, uh huh. <laughs> All right. So now we are on to best actress. Um, our nominees are. Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Andra Day for The United States versus Billie Holiday. Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman. Frances McDormand in Nomadland. And Carrie Mulligan, Promising Young Woman. Before you go any further, I have no fucking idea. I got none. I'm still just at odds. I was trying to rank the performances. I know that I have Frances McDormand at the bottom. But that's not because it's a bad performance. It is a really really great performance it's just that the other four are better yeah i I, and that's and that's it's i i think that's great i also it's i think that's probably what i would do too unfortunately what i have to say though is i think who i would put at the bottom of likely to win is vanessa kirby um yes which is a fucking shame because as as heart-wrenching and uncomfortable that that movie is to watch at times um, Vanessa Kirby is amazing, and and to be totally honest, and maybe this is maybe this will be a bit controversial. I don't understand how there isn't um, supporting actor noms for Shia LaBeouf and a supporting actress nomination for Ellen Burstyn. I think they are also very very good in the movie. Um, I th- I honest I do think that if I don't know what the latest thing was, I forget, but whatever Shia LaBeouf did before this movie came out. And so, like, and Netflix basically said we weren't going to back him. I think this is the – I'm not a Shia LaBeouf uh, aficionado, but this is the best thing I've seen him do. I think he's amazing in it, actually. And it's a damn shame that his personal life got in the way of of his chances of getting an uh, an Academy Award nomination because I think he's really good in it. I yeah I don't I don't disagree with that, but we're not talking about them. We're talking about best actress. Um, I just caught up today. I watched the United States versus Billie Holiday today, so I got it in. So I now have a more uh, uh, well-rounded idea of this category. Well, uh, the movie itself is a little long. Uh, the movie I'll say itself that. is uh, here's the thing. The movie itself is just not very good. Um, and and I think after Precious. Lee Daniels has not made a movie that is really like gelled with me. I just, I don't know. I don't know what it is about his aesthetic that I'm not a big fan of. 
Yeah, the butler is... I know you've heard me say this and you're sick of hearing me say it, but the butler should have been a miniseries. I don't know if that would have saved it, but sure, yeah. Yeah, there's just, there's too much story to try and pack into what they tried to do there. Yeah. But yeah, I think... Okay, so... Andrew Day, dude, I know that you're you're not a fan of the winning for playing real people. I get it. We've, we've gone round after round after round on this particular subject, but Andrew Day is really fucking good. I mean, breathtakingly good. So... I don't I don't disagree. And again, I think that playing a real person doesn't mean that you're going to give a bad performance. You have to find depth. And I do think that Andre Day found depth in this performance. Um This category is so interesting because of the way that the precursors have gone and nobody has steamrolled through it. Nobody has. The only one who the only person who hasn't really won anything is Vanessa Kirby, which is unfortunately why she's I think she's, there's no chance. There's no chance. My gut is telling me that this is between Carrie Mulligan and Viola Davis. That's, that's kind of where I land as well. I, and I think, I think you have to say it's Viola Davis's time. See, I, part of me, so ah, this is so, cause I'm, I'm trying, so I'm trying to think about, I all mean, the in, t- in her, in her sort of tenure as you know what I mean is in yeah, no, a, no. in a sort I, of career wide sense. I totally do. But I'm trying to think of all of the extenuating circumstances. And so we've got all of these great and I am again, I'm not sure if we've mentioned it specifically, but yes, this category is stacked. It is a there there sometimes there's a year where it's like this person got nominated for this role. Really? That's what you're gonna that's what you're gonna put into this category. Or you get a year like last year where it's just Renee Zellweger is gonna win because she played Judy Garland. But this is a really cool year. Like, there's a lot of suspense. There's a lot of anticipation. Part of me thinks, and this is unfair, and I don't I don't necessarily, like, if, I'm, if I ever had the chance to vote, I'd vote with my heart. I'd vote for who I actually think gave the best performance. Part of me can't tell if there's going to be some vote splitting between Viola Davis and Andra Day because they're both playing black singers. And I realize that they're different performances, and they're different films. And I'm not trying to equate them in the same way. But I, part of me thinks that there might be some vote splitting based on just on that alone. Um, and I think given a lot of other things, and I think given the, um, a lot of the publicity that was going on for it, I, do, I think at the end of the day, I think Carrie Mulligan is going to win. That's interesting. I, I, don't, I don't think you're wrong. But she's she's middle of the pack for me. I, as far as as far as far as who I want no, to yeah, win, I, who I'm I think not, w- who I think will win, I agree with you. Who I want to win is definitely Viola Davis. I, it's tough. I, well, I shouldn't even use the word definitely because even as it leaves my mouth, I'm second guessing myself. But. I I think I think my f- my favorite of the performances, to be honest, is Vanessa Kirby. But I I also know she doesn't stand a chance at, to win. Um, I, now I'm, we talked about it. We talked about it being stacked. I went back and I looked at. I could have gone back further, and probably I should have. I went back uh, twelve years or so, and I had to go back ten years to find a time when Best Actress was this well stacked, and where I honestly couldn't choose. I'm wondering if you agree with me in this one to try and make it a little bit contentious. I went back to uh, 2011, honoring the films that came out in 2010. You've got Natalie Portman for Black Swan, who won. 
Annette Benning for The Kids Are Alright, Nicole Kidman for Rabbit Hole, which I still think is probably her most underappreciated performance, Jennifer Lawrence in her big debut in Winter's Bone, and then Michelle Williams in Blue Valentine. For me, that was the last time, for me anyway, it was this contentious. Um, I, do you mean, do you mean personally or at, per, at, yes per, okay, personally okay. personally i think it th- i think again i think if you looked at the precursors there was no way natalie portman wasn't going to win yeah um, yeah that's that that's interesting um i mean it is i i do think that annette benning gives a nice performance in in um the kids are all right um i haven't seen winner's bone since i saw it the year it came out um and i I'm, i think i liked jennifer lawrence fine enough um but yeah the thing and like rabbit hole is just it's it, it that's that, that's a play and um and I do that's just that's a great part like I think you've got to if you're an actress at in the age range of the character you're you're chomping to get that role and I haven't seen Bloom Valentine but I know about it and I think Michelle Williams is is uh is due pretty soon for uh I think oh. for, for her Oscar hundred <laughs> percent man that, that's amazing to me you haven't seen Blue Valentine man I that know, movie I, is good. The movie's gonna knock you fucking sideways. Yeah, I've I've heard, I've I've heard, I'm I'm anticipating. I love it, it. I love it, but yeah, man, I don't know. This is uh, this is as far as I mean. If you're looking to get your money's worth out of, I mean, obviously you don't you don't pay necessarily for the Academy Awards, but you know, if you were (laughs) to this, you are absolutely getting your money's worth when it comes to the Best Actress race this year. Totally, it doesn't get it doesn't get any better than this. Um, so let's move on to a, uh, a, a category with a lot less um, who the hell's going to win. So we're going to move on to Best Actor. Our nominees are Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Gary Oldman for Mank, and Steven Yeun for Minari. Um, first thing, uh, and I, 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 know, I think you like this performer more than I do, but there's no reason Gary Oldman should be in this batch of actors. Yeah, that's a tough one. I've been I've been I've been reading that a lot lately that people are disenfranchised with with him and this performance. And honestly, I if he came out, that would be okay with me. It wouldn't hurt my feelings. I think there's I think and I think there's the problem is that there are two obvious replacements. Uh Matt Mad Mickelson. Yeah, uh, yes. And give give another round another fucking nomination. And Delroy Lindo. Yes. I think I think both of them give I I, I just I well, I, I'll, I, I'll save this, but I, um, man, no, Gary Oldman is not doing anything in this that I'm impressed with. I find interesting. I just, I, I, I don't, I don't get it. I really don't. Well, it's not, it's, I would, I would go so far as to say it's not a bad performance. I would say it's a very serviceable performance, just not an award worthy no, one. Yes. Yes. I think that that's, it's, it's nothing special. It's, it's Gary Oldman. So it's not bad, but it's just not, I don't get it. Yeah. I, you're still getting a plus talent. Yeah. Um, you think about his range. Think about where he started playing fucking Sid Vicious to where he's where he's come. Sure, sure. Um, so for, for so for me, it's Stephen Ewan comes out, Gary Oldman comes out, and then Delroy Lindo and and Mads Mikkelsen go in, and then it becomes a much more contentious race. Contentious again for us. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because there's no way in hell that Chadwick Boseman is not winning this Oscar. Which is and again, I'm I'm. In no way speaking ill of a dead. If he wins the award, he 100% deserves it. But for, for my money, Anthony Hopkins, man. Anthony Hopkins knocked me fucking sideways. 
I it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, okay, he won his Oscar for for Science of the Lambs. He's always been good. He's yeah, he's always been for the most part dependable and good, even if the movies that he's making are kind of garbage. Like I saw The Human Stain recently, and that did almost nothing for me. Um. <laughs> uh, Honestly, I I don't I don't want to speak ill of a performer of his caliber. I didn't know he was still capable of this. No, I but I think I I don't think that that's a a negative thing to say. I think, you know, he'd been he kind of got trapped in the Marvel world for a while, right? And oh, absolutely. And and he you know he's making his money, he's living his life. I mean, granted, I I I I thought he was great in the Two Popes. Um, I think they're actually I think the last few years of his, he's been able to put out some good work. Um. And and don't get me wrong, I I enjoyed his performance, but I I I st- I would put Riz Ahmed above Anthony Hopkins. Oh, I don't know. As much as and you know how much I love Sound of Metal. If you did, Risa, if you did, you wouldn't be doing this. Right. You wouldn't be destroying our friendship <laughs> by putting Riz Ahmed. Riz Ahmed is middle of the pack for me. He's no, he's my third choice out of out of Chadwick Boseman and, and Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins is my number one choice, but I think you're right. I think it's it's Chadwick Boseman and 100% deserves it. He gave yeah. the performance of his lifetime in that film. I mean, we can always just just like with with um, Heath Ledger, we we can always have the debate of you know would Heath Ledger have still won if he didn't die? I'm sure we you know 20 years from now. You know, we'll be in our we'll be in our fifties, and we'll look back and we'll go. Do you think Chadwick Boseman would have won Best Actor this year if if he hadn't have passed away? And and it's it's a it's a thought experiment at best. But at the end of the day, he gave a great performance. He he sadly passed away, and and now he'll have a posthumous Oscar. Um, and, it's a it's uh, a gut wrenching performance. Now, if Delroy Lindo is in the mix, for you personally, is is Delroy gonna beat Chadwick Boseman? No, no, no. Uh, that's fair enough. I, I I think it I think it is a I think it is a goddamn shame he's so, not in there. That was great great content right there. Great great yeah, silence. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of some sort of comeback, but I yeah. What what can you do? Yeah, you got it. I got it. It's Our, it's just a goddamn shame he's not in there. Yeah. Did did Stephen Ewan do anything that impressed you at all? I I honestly I don't think he was bad in Minari. He but for me he was one of the. He's not bad, but he's also nowhere near the most interesting thing in that film. No, well, and that's, and that's, uh, that's, yeah, this is definitely, uh, you know, looking at, looking at the nominees, it is the most restrained performance nominated, uh, which is, which is totally fine. I don't want to, we do need, we, we can't always have scenery chewing performances that we nominate. I don't think he was bad, but I the way I heard it phrased the other day when I was I was listening to something was that he gave the fourth best performance in the movie. And this was I, I forget who said this, but they they went with Yoo Jung Yoon, the wife and the son, and then they went to Steven, Steven Yeun. And I'm like, I don't know that the, I don't know how much I don't I don't know if I totally agree with that, but I understand that yeah. idea. See, I would even go, I would go one step further. I would put him fifth and then put Will Patton above him because Will Patton is it might not be a good performance, but it's a goddamn interesting one. It really is, and something we've never seen Will Patton do. Oh, hundred percent. So yeah, yeah. I I really liked. Again, I was like, I don't, I don't know if this is good, but I really like it. Yeah, I hear you. So let's move on to best director. Uh, our nominees are Thomas Vinterberg for Another Round, David Fincher from Mank, Lee Isaac Chung from Minari. 
Chloe Zhao for Nomadland and Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman. What do you think of the batch? I, I think it's a solid batch. I'm, I, I'm pretty happy with it. I do if too. I'm honest. I do too. Um, I'm so glad to not see Aaron Sorkin listed oh, here. Oh God, me too. Oh, thank God. I'm so happy you said that. Um, and and honestly, like, <laughs> and I and I do. I my I'm looking back, and um, I I I had him predicted, but my replacement was Regina King for One Night in Miami. Thomas Vinterberg, for me, kind of came out of nowhere. But really glad to see that fifth spot not go to Aaron Sorkin. Um, yeah. Just yeah. That's. Yeah, See, that's real. that's no matter who wins, that's the actual win. Because <laughs> I'm sorry, he is he is when he wants to be, he's a phenomenal writer. Yes, I have never seen him direct anything where I've been like, "That's a great job as a director." Even Molly's Game, which I like, is not. Uh, there's nothing special I, about I it. I like Molly's Game for the script and for the performances, but yeah, I'm not yeah. I'm not impressed by the direction. Um, yeah. And uh, and I, I feel like he's got and I and this is not an obvious thing. Other people say this, but I truly believe it. He like um, uh, like a, a like a Charlie Kaufman, I think, works best when somebody else is directing their work. Hundred um, percent. I, I don't hate Synecdoche, New York. I don't hate. I'm thinking of ending things, but I also wonder how better those films would have been in the hands of of a. Of a more of a visual artist rather than somebody who's more, more, um, whose better use is, uh, the written word. Yeah. I mean, why, why wasn't Michelle Gondry involved in I'm thinking of ending things? That's a perfect film for him to keep that particular collaboration going yeah. instantly. That film is 50% better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so we have our batch. Um, do you want to, well, let's just let's just. I, I I think this is Chloe Zhao's. I don't think there's really. I think I I think so too. Okay, so now we maybe we'll have a bit more of a conversation about what what are what are you what's your preference here? What do you what if you're picking from these? Who who is your favorite? Uh, I well to be pretty boring. I had Chloe Zhao both as my the person I want to win and the person I think will win. I don't think that's boring. I think that's I. The thing is, is that and and I you know I look at this 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 bunch and i think it's so great to see to see two um asian american directors in here two females in here um uh uh thomas vinterberg who's not who's just not non-english speaking that's that's really cool um and even though mank uh and and as as the days go by it falls further down my fincher list um it uh it's nice to see him get another nomination um, but I agree. I think this is, I think this is, I, I, I think who will win and should win is Chloe Zhao. Although you do know my love of, of promising young woman. And I love, I do love the style that's in that movie. So, so I'm wondering if we have them ranked the same way then I have Lee Isaac Chung at number five, David Fincher at number four, Thomas Vinterberg, then Emerald Fennell, and then Chloe Zhao. That's my, that's my preference. My, I, I would, f sorry. What was your five and f I, I, you had Minari at five. I had Minari at five I'd and Mank flip, at four. I would flip Minari okay. and Mank. See, I, I, I have... The reason I have Mank a little higher, it's it's more of an achievement. Yeah, I, it, it is, but I, I I don't know how much I equate it to the direction. I think overall, this, I mean, there were some great choices that were made in terms of making that film really look like a 1930s film. But at the end of the day, it, it doesn't help me with the overall liking of the film. 
Well, it's also, I'm just amazed. It's so unlike anything else David Fincher has ever directed. It, it, I think no, it's, it, it's really outside his comfort zone as far totally as what is. we see him do. But I also, I just think, well, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get to it in a second. Um, so cool. So here we go, man. We're at the best... We're at the Best Picture. Now, we're going to do something a little different with Best Picture. I'm going to list out the nominees, and we're actually going to rank them. We're going to go backwards from eight up to one. Uh, we'll save the chat for the higher-rated film. And uh, and then at the end of that, we'll tell you who we think is going to win. But this is personal preference ranking the, the Best Picture nominees. Are you ready, my friend? I am ready. So the nominees for Best Picture are The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. Ian, what is your number eight? I think my number eight is your number eight. I think it's Trial of the Chicago 7 because that is one of the least interesting films and one of the most forgettable films I saw last year. It's not my number eight. Fuck me sideways. Mank is my number eight. That is surprising. What is your number seven? My number seven is Minari. My number seven is The Trial of the Chicago Seven. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it wasn't going to be too long. No, don't worry. Uh, do, you, do you have something something redeeming about that film that you can share with us? Because as I just said, it was it was pretty forgettable. I do actually like the ensemble i really think um even even somebody like sasha barrett cohen who i don't think is is giving his best i think everybody in it is great i i mean the screenplay is it's it's over the top and it's kind of bombastic in its way but that's the thing about sorkin's writing is even when it's in a not great film there's still something rousing about it, you know, and there were moments where I really did kind of get like pulled in to to almost immediately kind of be thrown out. But but I. Yes, I, I there I, there was I, there was and I, I think it was the actors and really them giving their all, you know, particularly like uh, uh, Mark Rylance is great. I mean, he's great in everything, but oh, that's yeah, that goes without saying. I, I will say I did like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yes, I think he's pretty good in it. Frank Langella as the as the judge. I thought he was pretty good. I, see, I thought I thought he might he might be the weak link for me. I think he's playing too like it, over I like over Eddie Redmayne. Yeah, really. Yeah, I, I, that's Frank, that's very unlike you. It it is very unlike me. That's very, hating Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne is on brand for me, but Frank Langella just it seems so caricature, broad stroke ish. I just I'm the evil judge. I just didn't. I just didn't like it. I just really yeah, didn't like enough. what he was doing. And he's great. And it just, I could see him doing his best. But like at the end of the day, I think. I, I honestly, I think I want to blame his performance on Aaron Sorkin. I think Aaron Sorkin probably gave him some bad fucking notes. Hmm. Interesting. That almost makes me want to go back and rewatch it. I, I say almost, because <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> That's that's all I have to say about Trial of the Chicago Seven. Uh, so, uh, what is your six? My six is Judas and the Black Messiah. My six is the Father. Wow, that is low. What is, <laughs> what is your five? My five is Mank. 
Okay. Wow. Now that's that I find surprising. I know. I mean, I, I know you didn't respond highly to Judas, but Mank at five, really? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I need to hear you defend that. <laughs> As I said, I think it's I think it's a huge achievement. It's something that is completely unlike anything else that we have ever seen David Fincher do. I think his dad's screenplay really does feel like a genuine love letter to a bygone era of filmmaking. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, maybe it does have some pacing issues. I'm definitely not going to argue that. Um, and again, Amanda Seyfried, a revelation. She is fantastic in the film, as is Charles Dance. Uh, I'm blanking on the name of the guy that plays him, but uh, I think I think it's a pretty interesting, maybe not 100% accurate, but I think it's a, a pretty, it's a different version of Orson Welles. I like I like the couple of scenes that that, that actor has as him. I... I think at the end of the day, like I think, the, I think the standouts are the score and Amanda Seyfried, um, and then behind it, not not the cinematography because I well, I think it's a then, beautiful looking uh, film. I said behind it is all of the technical things. There's a there's a conversation actually with Aaron Sorkin and David Fincher on the DGA podcast, and they they were talking about how he got it to sound the way that it did, and it wasn't as simple as just popping the sound into like garage band and then fucking with it. Like they, they, there was a whole interesting process into how they, they got the film to sound the way that it did. And the technical craft behind it is it's all really interesting. But for me, all of that craft doesn't help elevate a story that I thought was uninteresting and performances that for the most part were as, as you were serviceable. Um, I was just uh, honestly, I, I, I've, the more that I've thought about Mank, I've set aside my my previous thoughts of yes, this is not a quote David Fincher film. Yeah, that's true, but I've I've really thought about the film itself, and it left me so unmoved. Just I didn't, I was so blah through it, which I which honestly pains me to fucking say because the ensemble is great and it's fucking david fincher and at the end well of the- and you know that fincher there wasn't a single frame of that film that fincher didn't agonize over exactly like, I, no, I can I-, I can feel the love in it yeah i just his love for the movie is not my love for the movie <laughs> i almost wonder if you know 20 years down the road 30 years down the road it's gonna have a, a citizen kane reevaluation. That's that's my hope. I don't think so, but maybe, maybe. I don't I love, think. That, I love your optimism. That that's. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to be optimistic. That's a very I, I like Ian move right there, man. I know the, it is. I want people to like it as much as I do. The optimism for Mank. That's I love it. I love it. Holy shit. Okay. Um. So we're to my five. Okay. My five is Minari. Which I had as my number seven. Yes. See, for me, this movie also didn't hit every, like, tick every box. But I also, there was something just so, I don't, it's tough. This is a movie where I can't, I really can't point my finger to it. Um, I, I wanted more and yet was okay with what I got, if that makes any sense. Oh, totally. And it's, Minari isn't like Mank, it's, it's not without its pacing issues. Very true. Very true. And I part of me 
I, as much as I love the performances of the kids, I wanted more. Like I, I really loved the stuff towards the end between the 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 mother and the father. Really like trying to hash out that you know, like they both have these these this pride, this stubbornness that they don't want to back down on. And you know, we we see it initially with her in the way that she views the how well you know the house, the mobile home, whatever you know, the way that she views where she's gonna live. But then his stubbornness of not packing it up when you know, like maybe when he should have, or you know, and I, I really liked the way that they maneuvered. And obviously, Will Patton's character is an interesting side side thing to have going on. Um, not totally impressed with it, but but I think it it just did more than some of the other movies did for me. Well, I gotta say, I do appreciate. Uh, what Brad Pitt's company Plan B is doing when you look at something like this and you look at The Last Black Man in San Francisco. I mean, he is, as a producer, he's really trying to make some interesting and unique stories, and I definitely appreciate that. But as I said, there's some pacing problems. I think there's some problems with, like, the final act of the film. I'll get a little spoilery here, so apologies if you haven't seen it and you're listening, but the, the fire at the end, does that feel a little contrived to you? Does that feel like... There's not enough drama, so we've got to inject something big to have a big finale. No, you know, it's that's funny you mentioned that. I, I, it doesn't feel contrived. It, it feels, uh, how do I, I think it works for the movie, but I think it happens. It's so, I don't know, it, it, it's haphazard the way that it kind of occurs, right? We get, like, we get that they have a burn, a burn barrel and that that's what they've been doing, um, you know, and, and maybe it's just a, uh, the the story of the grandmother still wanting to not feel like she can't do like that she can't do nothing. So she's gonna she's gonna try to help by doing this kind of thing. It does. It kind of happens all of the sudden, you know. But um, but I'm not I'm not against it. It it does. It feels like something did need to happen to this family, you know. Otherwise, it is very one tone, and and is it really worth? You know, but I think the stuff with the grandmother and the son is really is really fun and, and interesting. Oh, and, that's some of the best stuff in there. Yeah. And part of the reason why if she wins, she would definitely deserve it. Exactly. Exactly. And the, yeah, the kids are great. I, I yeah. really liked both of those performances from the kids. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we're, we're through the top half. Or the bottom half. That's what I should say. We're through the bottom half. Now we're getting into the top. We're our, our upper crust, if you will. Uh, so, Ian, what is your number four? My number four is Promising Young Woman. <laughs> uh, my number four is Judas and the Black Messiah. There you go. I had that at number six. Yes, you did. Yeah, and I, uh, I wish I had had more time and the inclination, honestly, in all the other things that I've been watching in the last two weeks to find the time to see it again. Because I, I do know this is... Of all of them, I do owe this one the rewatch. I just, I don't know. This one really worked for me. I mean, performance-wise, I've heard a lot of, like, stuff, you know, podcasts that I listen to and things that I've read, like, that the, the, the direction is, is too uneven, that the story is trying to do too many things and be too many things. I don't know. For me, I loved the way that it felt. And I loved, I, I loved that at times it felt like a traditional biopic. I loved at times it felt like a thriller. I love at times it felt kind of like a crime movie. I don't know. It, it all worked for me. And and then behind it, too, you've got the two obvious choices for the for the uh, performances of uh, Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya. But also um, Jesse Plemons in there, too, knocking that out of the park. And 
I think the three of them with this story and like the grittiness of it and and everything going for it, it just it really did. It ticked off a lot of boxes for me. I it didn't when I was when I put out my predictions for the predict for the the nominees, I didn't have it getting a nominee. Um, I actually had two. I had one night in Miami and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom making it in, not Judas. Um, uh, I personally like Judas and the Black and the Messiah, Black Messiah more than One Night in Miami, but not more than Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. But and that's and that's where we agree. I I prefer Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. But I also I'm also not against it. Um, I I it's a it's it's a it's an important movie and. I, the performance, I really for me, I it's it's hard to get past the performances. I think I think Stanfield, Kaluuya, and Plemons are just phenomenal. I think the this, these are all top two or three performances for all of them. Well, you you have my pledge. I will rewatch it, <laughs> and uh, and maybe maybe my list will get a reevaluation. I I still can't get over Martin Sheen's fucking makeup. It's awful. You know, it didn't. Well, then be happy it didn't get a nomination for it, right? Oh, I yeah, I would have been. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't even know what to say about that shit. It's terrible. It's distractingly bad. He's only in it for a little bit. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. So, your number three. My number three is Nomadland. My number three is Nomadland. Hey, look at that. I mean, yeah, we we talked about it. A couple weeks ago, um, I, it's funny for a movie where, you know, if you want to say it this way, where not a whole lot happens, man, I was, I was in it the entire time. And, and well, from that, from that opening scroll at the beginning where they tell you about that town where they, they just discontinued the zip code. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. I didn't know we could do that. After our chat, it, it did also, it made me think about, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you would want to do this with your wife, but like Ian and I need to take a road trip. We need yes. to road trip around the, the great Southwest and, uh, and hit yes, up, please. hit up some places. That would be, yeah. Yeah. No, it made me just want to get out and drive, man. And, and yeah, you know, and yes, it's not a, it's not a big cast movie, you know, it, in terms of recognizable people, it's really just Francis McDormand and David Strathairn, but they're, they're just, they're both really great. That scene, I, you know, for a movie, and again, for a movie where we're so focused on like the cinematography and the realism of it, that scene where David Strathairn is basically asking Francis McDormand to stay at the, at his son's house with him. It's just so open and honest and simple and lovely. How would you have felt about David Strayhorn getting a supporting nod? I would have loved it, but I also, you know, I mean, I, I yeah, I mean, personally, I'd be like, sure, yeah, kick out Sasha Baron Cohen and and get in David Strathairn. But, it, you know, I think we already have one understated emotional performance on here with Paul Racy, so it doesn't, it's not, it's not surprising at all. But yeah, 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 no, it's I I can't wait to see it again. Okay, I'm gonna be honest. I'm I. I'm a little, I'm scared. I'm scared about potentially what your number one is. So what is your, num- Oh, come on. Is- you already know. You already know what my number one is. My number two is the father. Okay. Okay. So here's, so this might surprise you. Maybe it won't. My number two is the sound of metal. Okay. So that is your number one. And that leaves your number one as a, uh- Promising Young Woman. Yes, so let's talk not. about The Father first. All right. I, for, I mean, I, I kind of, I went over it a little bit 
when we talked about production design and uh, and performance, I, I cannot stress this enough. For anybody who has written Anthony Hopkins off, uh, you really you really shouldn't have. He he does something. <laughs> he does something spectacular in this film. That final scene, and again, I won't spoil it because it's still like premium video on demand kind yeah. of rental situation. It it floored me, man. It genuinely fucked me up. I I think that this is a movie that outside of of Anthony Hopkins' performance, um, which I which yes is very good, very deserving of the nomination, and in another year maybe he he would stand more of a chance to win. Um, this might you you might scoff at this. I'm actually anticipating you scoffing at this thing I'm about to say. I think this movie is trying to be too clever. How so? The way in which it plays with um the 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 well the, the production design, the the way in which rooms differ from scene to scene and and the way in which um the characters kind of go I'll say in and out just to again to be vague because I don't want to I don't want to spoil this either. And I get that he is an older man dealing with I don't know if they ever say it dementia or Alzheimer's or what what whatever it is that he is clearly going through. I don't think that that's not a spoiler alert. The movie is about his daughter trying to take care of him because he's aging and and yeah. And for the f- the first few times I I was really on board. And I get why I get the repetition. I get why they keep doing it. But I also felt like it, it seemed unnecessary at times. And the focus and, and I think there's also an issue with focus where this theoretically should all be from from Hopkins perspective. But there are times when it's from Olivia Coleman's perspective. And that is that honestly is really confusing because it, it this is this is his story. And so to make it seem like at any point it's coming from her perspective, it, if you're trying to be very literal about what you're seeing, it, it, it's gonna th- it will throw you off. In the end, it all makes sense, but I think it's it's trying to be a bit too clever for its own good, which sounds yeah, like I, uh... really that I, I I just said it, and I don't even like that I said it. I believe it, but it just doesn't even sound good. Uh, well, yeah, I, I've got to agree with you on that. I think it's use of time, the way it plays with time, the way that it deliberately disorientates you is more interesting, more coherent, and uh, just more entertaining than Tenant, as far as films that play with time oh, that came out well, last year. Don't I'm not going <laughs> to... Tenant... God, 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 Christopher Nolan. Here's the thing. I know we mentioned this, I think, a while ago. Maybe it was off mic. I don't know. But we just did our Inury, uh, our Inury 2 ranking. And uh, it was so funny that we did that. And then I saw, like, the next day that he's, he's prepping his next movie. And it seems like it's going to be a smaller film. Which is great because a lot of the times, these directors who made their bones making these really great, gritty, independent films go up and up and up and up and never come back down. And, man... I would really like to see Christopher Nolan do something simple again. And and you're right. Like Tenet is way more complicated than it needs to be. 
it, it is. Now, it, I, I also find it to be a, a very enjoyable film, just based on all the craziness that's happening. I will agree with you that I think the way that the father messes with time is a lot better than Tenet, but I also think that Tenet is a more enjoyable film. Well, enjoyable from a sheer sure. sort of, yes. I guess, Splitting like shut hairs. your mind off. and yeah, But The Father is, I think, an important film. Like, obviously, I don't know really anything about dementia. I'm not going to try and speak out of turn. But my feeling is that there is an authenticity to it. And I feel like maybe this could be used as a tool to help people understand how disorientating living with that might be. I, so I think I think the film is maybe more important than it is entertaining. No, oh, I, dude, I totally agree with you. I mean, and yes, will we ever really know the mindset of somebody going through that? Hard to say. But well, I do- see, it's a, and and you won't know until it's too late. No, no, what, you you know what I mean when I say you yes. like. Oh, of course. As of course, as, as just- we as people, we yeah. will never know until it's already happening and too late. If if you're unfortunate enough to to live with that. Yeah, I I got you. I got you. Um, so now I think let's give a little love to uh, promising young woman. Your four and my one. Well, and that's it's it's not at four because it's a bad movie. I mean, it's it's a probably the most important of the eight. I could yeah I could see that. As far as its social commentary and its its uh, attempt to get you to empathize and understand this particular situation, it's also a very stylish and very fucking cool film. If I'm allowed to phrase it like that, no, that's the thing. That's I'm glad. You, no, that this movie. I we'll, we'll talk about Sound of Metal in a second, but for me, what elevates this movie ab- above everything is it. It ticks. It literally it hits all of my boxes. I know I love thrillers, and this movie does play like one. I think. Every, I've heard a lot of people. I think even you know some of the some of the men that were cast as uh, people that she is kind of um, trying to lure into her her whole thing that she's doing, like that that threw people off a little bit. It didn't at all. I don't. Besides Adam Brody and, and McLovin, I don't really have an association with any of these people. So they're just they're just other people that she's she's doing this to. Um, Bo Burnham's great. Carrie Mulligan is fucking amazing in this. But you, th- it's the th- role th- of a lifetime. Yeah, it's it's all of those things, and then you can you, you throw on on top of this that it's actually it's an issue movie that at the core of this there actually are they're they're trying to uh, to talk about date rape and and sexual assault with, without ever actually saying those words, and then on top of it you've got this Emerald Fennell flair, this pop flair on top of it, and again I you know and this is a feature, this is her first. A directorial debut feature film that easily could have gone so wrong. It could have gone so off the rails, and it it doesn't. And it oh man, I you know there are I, I and I'm looking at my bunch and I you know we're physical media physical media hounds. I'm gonna slow that down. And there there are there are three movies this year that I I can't wait to buy and it's my top three and it's 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 Nomadland it's Sound of Metal and it's it's Promising Young Woman and and I cannot wait to revisit all of those movies. Absolutely, and that that criterion for Sound of Metal. Oh, I can't wait. Well, let's just segue there. Let's just sound well, of metal. well, just oh, just really sorry. quickly. Right. One last thought on on Promising Young Woman. It's a it's a great balance of style and substance. Yeah, absolutely. It's so, oh God, it's so good. It's so good. 
It, it really is. I never thought I would love a movie so much that that prominently uses Britney Spears toxic in it. And yet here we are. Well, and I mean, it uses it so goddamn well. What a yes. what a great placement for it. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's one hell of a needle drop right there. <laughs> that's totally a needle agree. drop for the ages. Yeah, yeah. And again, I never thought I'd talk about a Britney Spears song like that, but here we are. Yeah, exactly. So, so Sound of Metal, um your my uh my two your one. Yep. I mean, I oh, wow. A unique original Again, important, an issue that isn't talked about. Yeah, I need to I need to retroactively now go back to our uh, Children of a Lesser God episode. And I really liked my replacement, which was Sound of Fury. Uh, but I need to take that out and, and put this in. This is my replacement yeah. for Children of a Lesser God. And that's, yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100% on that. I can't even remember what my replacement was. It might have been, it was something 80s themed. I think it might have been Witness. Because I love Witness. You do, you do love Witness. But yeah, Sound of Metal, and what a performance, man. Again, in another year that isn't as contentious, like Riz Ahmed. And that performance is something else. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, man, it's so good. And as I said, it looks great. It's got a bit of, uh, like Nomadland, of course, very heavily influenced by Terrence Malick. I feel even a little bit of that in... In Sound of Metal as well, the the montage where he's finally kind of accepting and he's, you know, helping the kids and he's assisting in the classes and they're all sitting around in the drum circle. Yeah. And it's got the whole floaty camera thing happening. I'm like, yeah, okay, I can feel a little Malik in here. I respect that. And again, another another feature uh, film debut for Darius Martyr, um, which is just great. That's just awesome to to see the kind of story that got told. I know it makes you wish we could have more directing nominations. Yeah, re- I re- it really does. It really does. I mean, and again, so happy to see this um, in an original screenplay because I do think this is a really unique story. It just, I think, story wise, it just happens to get kind of beaten out by Promising Young Woman, in, in my opinion. But like, totally, this movie is so deserving of the nominations that it picked up. Um, it oh, just, definitely. I, 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 you know, and. I, I was pretty sure it was gonna get nominated for Best Picture, but like of all of the of all of the nominees, it was the one I was the most happy to see because it just was this little this film on Prime that they had on their banner for a while before the next big schmaltzy thing came up. And like, man, if you still God, if you still haven't seen Sound of Metal, I I don't I don't know what to tell you. Just fucking do it. It's, I think it's I, I I'm probably speaking in hyperbole, but I can't help myself. It was a it's it's one of those life changing movies. It's really gonna help change your perspective on the way that people with this disability live. Yeah, and and as you know, as as movie endings go, it's it's no like usual suspects, you know. But like, what it's it's the perfect ending for that movie. It's just yeah. A, it's amazing it's oh, well, because simple. there's there's so much of a there's so much contention in the decisions that he has to make it's such a there's a great juxtaposition between living with without sound and then fighting to get it back yeah yeah quite the impressive film there's a, some tough decisions being made in that film yeah and i'm just gonna say it again one more time paul racy holy shit fucking phenomenal yeah 
like yeah like earth or an earth shattering performance that is that is dialed way way down it's a very low-key performance that deserves all the praise yes yeah absolutely so uh let's run through proving our... proving you don't always have to go big right exactly exactly that, that but like the way that that emotion comes out especially in the scene after he comes back it's you don't have to go big to get there you, you yeah. can just be honest and 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 hit it oh my god it's it's fucking so good it's so good um, so let's let's we'll, we'll recap through our list and then I as we were chatting I did the cumulative so we'll give you our thousand and one by one best picture rundown so uh, I'll go first if you don't mind Do my, it. here we go going backwards uh, my number eight was Mank seven the trial of the Chicago seven six the father five Minari four Judas and the Black Messiah three Nomadland two Sound of Metal and one promising young woman. And my top eight, beginning at the bottom, Trial of Chicago 7, Minari, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Promising Young Woman, Nomadland, The Father, Sound of Metal, at number one. And our cumulative ranking, uh, number eight, Trial of the Chicago 7, number seven, Mank, number six, Minari, number five, Judas and the Black Messiah, number four, The Father, number three, which won't surprise anybody, was Nomadland because we agreed on it. Number two, Promising Young Woman and our cumulative, and I'm totally, totally fine with this, Best Picture winner should be The Sound of Metal. Because if I'm being honest, it's really a 1A, 1B scenario with Promising Young Woman and Sound of Metal. Well, yeah, I think I think the right thing to do, Sound of Metal, obviously it's not going to win Best Picture. It's probably going to be Nomadland, as we've said over and over. Yeah. But... I'd give picture to sound of metal and then you give, then you give uh, screenplay to, to promising young woman. I think that's the way that it should go. Well, we'll see. We'll see how our thoughts go on uh, Sunday, April 25th uh, on the Academy Awards. Now, will you be watching live? Cause I know you don't always do that. I will be cause I'm a, I'm weird. I, I think Liz has been pushing me to considering how many movies that I've seen and the yeah. fact that we've done this episode. She says, you know, you should, you know, you should see this thing through to the end. That's right, you should. Yeah. So yeah, we, we will see. I, I probably will. So probably will. I, I, I'm always excited, and I, I, you know, given even given the weird year that it's been with COVID and stuff, I do think that what we got to watch was great and diverse and amazing, and we'll all see how it shakes out. Uh, at the Oscars. Um, but as always, we want to know what you think. What of these movies have you seen? What are you most excited about? Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts. So you can always find us on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, you can listen to us at uh, Spotify and Stitcher and Apple Podcasts and Google Play, all those great places. You can support the show at patreon.com slash a thousand and one by one. And uh, next week, as I said, we will know we won't be doing a single episode like we normally do. We are doing our next definitive director ranking uh we are doing it on uh, a gentleman who has been up for best uh who won best director his films uh one of them is one best picture um but as of this summer when the newest version of the book comes out he won't be in it and so we decided to give him uh, a little a little love because of his soon-to-be removal from the book um which is kind of bananas but that's okay we'll we'll talk about it next week but until then i am adam and i am ian and we will see you next week.